loss helps us define our lives. By allowing our grief to matter, we discover our own strengths and embrace our authentic selves. Welcome to Good Grief with your host, Cheryl Jones. Get ready to be inspired to create a deeper life, to make your time on Earth much more meaningful. Now, here is Cheryl Jones. Hello, I'm your host, Cheryl Jones, and I want to welcome you to Good Grief, where we talk each week about the transformations that can come from loss. Today, I'm welcoming back Dr. Karen Wyatt. Karen's the best-selling author of the book, Seven Lessons for Living from the Dying, which contains stories of patients she cared for as a hospice doctor and the spiritual lessons she learned from them at the end of their lives. She also hosts End of Life University podcast, which features conversations with experts, her work in all aspects of end of life care, a wonderful series. She's widely regarded as a thought leader in the effort to transform the way we care for our dying in the, U- in the U.S. In addition, she's valued for her application of spiritual principles to illness and health care and teaches that in order to live life fully, we must each overcome our fear of death and embrace the difficulties that life brings us. She recently released a new book, The Journey from Ego to Soul, How to Transform Your Life When Everything Falls Apart, and I'm really looking forward to talking with her about that. Welcome, Karen. Hi, Cheryl. Thank you so much for having me back on your show. It's really a pleasure. I've been kind of, every time I thought about it this week, I'm like, oh, goody. (laughs) I always enjoy our time together so much. Um, I've been looking forward to it too, because this is such a, such an important time, I guess, for us to be coming together and talking. Absolutely. And we'll get into that in a minute. It's sort of summed up for me in a, a poem you put in the very beginning of your, your book, a roomy poem, you lack a foot to travel, then journey into yourself. That leads to transformation of dust into pure gold. I love that. I love that too. And it really seemed fitting for this year as we're dealing with COVID when, for one thing, literally we can't travel anywhere and, and everything that we've been used to busying ourselves with in some ways has been taken away from us, all the external factors of our lives. So this is our opportunity to journey within and do some work on ourselves. Yes, I've I've had the experience with many, many clients uh, over the last many, many months. <laughs> what what are we nine months into shelter in place in the Bay Area, at least I know some places they are not doing that, but I've been basically in my home for nine months. And uh, some people have been saying things like nothing is happening. You know, I'm so bored, or I'm so empty or I'm set, whatever it is, but the bottom line being nothing is happening. And to which in my head, I'm thinking, there's always something happening. <laughs> so true. So true. I, I, it's, it's an interesting phenomenon of in some ways be, being more still and less active externally than ever before. And yet having so much going on internally, at least for me, I feel like I've been up and down and all over the place emotionally this year. So true. Me too. And one thing I like very much about your book is that uh, taking the spiritual journey, as we would say, um, uh, participating in our own spiritual growth 
um, doesn't mean, as some people think it does, skipping over the feeling bad part. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. I think that's that's one of the that's one of the biggest lessons I learned after my father's death from suicide and working in hospice is finally understanding that you can't skip over any of those painful times. That's actually where the learning comes from and where you have the most opportunity to learn, to grow and learn what you need to know. Absolutely. I was very struck, struck by something you said in your book, which was that for the three years after your after your father died, you said you dragged your heart behind you. Oh, that just uh, captured something so deeply for me. Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. At the time, I didn't know that was happening. It was only in retrospect when I looked back and saw how my heart was broken and I needed to just embrace it. <laughs> I needed to be able to just go into the pain, but here I was waking up every day and thinking, I can't wait until uh, this is all gone. I can't wait until I feel like I used to feel before dad died. I can't wait till I go back to that again. Cause in my mind, I just wanted to reverse it all mm -hmm. and go back in time. And it took me that three years to recognize that is not going to happen. I have to feel this pain. I have to deal with it. And in a in a world of logic and science, that is actually a pretty illogical thing to expect, isn't it? Yes, definitely. <laughs> that something like that could happen. Your father could die by suicide and somehow you would eventually go back to exactly where you were at before. It's, it's illogical, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I think that's what I woke up one day and thought, how have I been actually thinking that would happen? I realized it was a coping mechanism for me to wish for that. And uh, then it suddenly occurred to me, like when something this big happens in your life, of course, it's meant to change everything about you. It's meant to change everything. Like that's the that's the purpose of it. That's, that's the opportunity of it. I have to accept that change. And of course, for you and I both, uh, the lives we live now are constructed, were constructed by challenging circumstance, by loss. Yes, uh, yes very much so. And so it, it, you know, obviously, every week on this show, I'm talking about and thinking about the transformations, but would you agree with me that if a person kind of refuses to go through it, as you said, that it's much less likely that some new fresh thing uh, will come out of it? That is how I have perceived it. And what I've witnessed also, and I'm sure you probably have through your work with people who choose not to go through this painful process of grieving, I feel like can get stuck because all their energy is going into somehow denying the grief or, or keeping it out of their consciousness. And there isn't a lot of space there for something new or for, for growth. That's, I, I resonate with that completely. And of course I have a, obviously most people who come to see me um, specifically choose to go see a grief counselor 
you know, so yes. they're a, they have a little head start there, I think, although some people are coming for me to fix it, right? Uh, you, yes. t- you talk a lot about the, the uh, temptation for people who do work like you and I do to think that we can make it all better for people. And, uh, you know, I've let that go. I, I obviously can't, but I can be with. Yes, I, that was a big lesson for me to learn in my medical practice um, to, to stop expecting that I could or should fix things. And I realized some of that mindset came from medical training and the expectations, I think, that we were handed to us in a way through our training. This is why we're doing it, so we can help people and make them better. And so it was a big awakening for me to see that I don't really make people better they may get better. And what, and I do, as you described, I, I can hold space with them. I can be present with them. I can be a mirror. I can reflect back. I can even, I can share stories and tell them what I know, but it's within them to, to, to get better, not me. It's not up to me. So as someone who both is a kind of a spiritual teacher. Um, we'll, we'll get into the specifics of, you know, the way that you look at spiritual transformation in a minute. Um, and also a medical doctor who, um, uh, you know, bandages wounds and um, on a physical level, um, doctors sometimes can make the body better anyway. But I wondered if you uh, this this uh, quality of being with, do you think there's an impact that that has on the quality of healing physically? Do, are those two things connected in your mind? I really do believe that because I saw it happen so many times when, when uh, it was the, the space between the patient and me as they shared their story, as I listened deeply to them, as I just honored who they were and the sacredness really of what they were experiencing and what they had been through, I, I felt the power of it. And, and I had many patients come back to me and say, you know, something happened when I was talking with you and I see it differently now, or I, 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 have, I feel better now and I've changed how I'm doing things. And I, so I, I really do believe that that's such an important part. I think that's, that's what we used to call the art of medicine that somehow has been mm. left out in so many ways. Now we have all these other tools we can use technology and drugs and surgery and procedures we can do that somehow we've lost some of that art of medicine of just the, the interaction between two people that takes place. You know, I've done, I've run uh, support groups for people with cancer for, for decades on and off. And one thing I noticed is that some people asked everybody who is the most expert um, oncologist, and then they would just go to that person. Um, and sometimes the, the connection was not good. But when I would say, well, you know, is this working for you? They'd say they're the best. (laughs) But um, I noticed that the people who felt connected to their physician, to me, seemed to do much better physically, you know, kind of tolerated the the treatments better, uh, felt more, felt calmer, 
a lot of things are different when you feel well held is how I think of it. Yeah, I think that's so true. I had a patient come back to me who had, she had been having a lot of um, emotional difficulties and dealing with um, some mental health difficulties also that I worked with her for a couple of years as her doctor and then she moved away, but she came back and she said, um, do you know what you gave to me? You saw me as a whole person instead of as someone who was damaged. And she said, other people I went to always just wanted to talk about the damage. That's all they could see in me, mm. what my diagnosis was, what my damage was. And she said, but you were able to see me as whole. And she said, you reminded me that I'm whole. And that is what gave me the hope that I could get better. And so that was powerful for me to get that feedback and see the, the value of that, of being able to just sit with someone and really see who they are and, and listen that deeply that, that you do see the wholeness of them. I feel as if in the context of this time we're living in, uh, COVID, the, the, all of the damage that we're exposed to, you know, all of the um, separations that were, I was just talking to my daughter earlier, I haven't seen my grandkids in obviously months and months and months and months, uh, you know, all those separations, the places where we can still feel connected have become so vital. Uh, I think that's part of why I was looking forward to this conversation so much. Yes, I've come to think, I've started thinking about this year with COVID as really a challenge for us to learn how do we share our love when we can't be in the same room together? How mm. do we find ways of, of transmitting love to one another energetically across space and time when we can't be together? Because that's really what we've had to do, as you said, because of, of the separation and isolation we're dealing with. I just had a little aha that uh, some people have struggled so much with that. And I've felt that I have struggled less with it than some people. And I realized part of it is because I feel extremely connected to someone who isn't even on the planet. Mm. Uh, you know, uh, it, it, I still have a relationship to my wife who died. Yes. Oh, and I've, so got, true. I've gotten used to relating that way which has no form really it's it's all happening inside of me um whether for real or just inside of me i don't care but uh <laughs> i guess that maybe was practice yeah oh i think that's i think that's so true and amazingly it's a year when so many of us all at one time are being asked to learn that same thing and do that practice and how do you how do you love your grandchildren over Zoom when you can't right. hug them? And, you know, but but we can learn and not get too dizzy because the one and a half year old keeps spinning the phone around and around. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, before we have a few minutes before the break, I would like to introduce. Uh, people who may have not thought of it this way to the concept that you talk about a lot in the book of galaxy versus garden. 
because we're talking about the garden part, right? The, the, yes. the daily struggles, the difficult, you know, all of that detail of being on this earth is so loud for m- many people right now. But um, could you talk about what you, how you see each of those and how they connect in your mind? Just yes. Briefly? Yes. The, the idea for the galaxy view came to me when I read about Edgar Mitchell, the astronaut who he was deeply transformed by seeing the earth from um, space, looking down on how tiny the earth is. And he said it transformed everything he viewed in his life to realize like earth is just a tiny speck in the universe. How big a deal could anything I'm going through really be <laughs> to this vast universe? And suddenly it reminded me if I were able to take that same perspective, all the little things that I worry about day to day in my life, what if I could go up in that spaceship and get the galaxy view and look down and realize, oh, this is pretty small. <laughs> this is it's really small in comparison to everything that's happening in the entire universe. And so that's the small view is the garden view and the galaxy view is the big picture of life. That just reminded me, do you know the song From a Distance? No. Um, it, it's really about that. From a distance, everything is well, everything looks uh, right with the earth and everything within it. Mm, (laughs) Uh, I I think it was Whitney Houston, maybe, and I don't know it well enough to sing it, but um, it's that same idea. And I guess the thing that stands out in your book is the, the capacity we might have to bring together this broader or, or more soulful view with our human machinations uh, I really enjoyed how you talked about putting those two together um, instead of thinking it's one or the other, which many people do. Either we're lost in the daily grind or we're trying to transcend. <laughs> and and that's been the journey I've been on for quite a long time is figuring out how do I bring that galaxy view every day into my life to help me through what I'm going through right now. We're going to come back and talk about these principles in your book, your seven principles, which I which I love, um, and uh, kind of dive into that for a bit and maybe talk about how we can apply those right now in this time we're in. We may not even get to all of them, but we'll do our best and, um, you know, really take it on because I think that's the difference between misery and transcendence right now in our current world is having some some forward motion the idea that we can make something out of this so let's come back and talk about that about that in a few minutes and listeners you'll find links to my website and social media at the good grief page at voice america and to find dr karen wyatt go to www.eol that's end of life university eoluniversity.com be back soon Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. 
What sets apart VoiceAmerica.tv from the other video content providers on the Internet? Choice and flexibility means that you can host your video content live or on demand on the main VoiceAmerica.tv channels through your own branded media player or your own private TV channel. We support multiple media formats, so all of your video content can be in one place. We offer a number of advertising and video packages. For more information, visit VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. Be sure to like the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel on Facebook. You'll find great health tips from the experts. Find out more about your favorite shows and talk back to our team. Search Voice America Health or click the like button under the player today. This is Good Grief host Cheryl Jones. Whether you're in grief, crisis, deep loss, or transition, working with the right therapist can move you forward like nothing else. That's why I'm happy to be sponsoring BetterHelp. Their user-friendly platform connects you with a therapist uniquely suited to support you. If you want to know more, follow the link on my host page or go to betterhelp.com slash goodgrief. That's betterhelp.com slash goodgrief and receive a 10% discount for the first month. Listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back. I'm your host, Cheryl Jones, and I'm here with Karen Wyatt. Uh, whose new book is The Journey from Ego to Soul. And before the break, Karen, I was talking about really wanting to get into um, these, these principles that you, that you um, have for navigating hard times. I mean, I don't want to tempt fate by saying we couldn't be in harder times, <laughs> but we're in pretty hard times. That's true. <laughs> and, you know, between the, the politics and COVID and, and inequity and, you know, just a bunch of things going on all at once. Um, so this idea that there are actual principles uh, that we can affirm and, and, and um, grapple with inside ourselves to go forward, just very comforting. Um, but I wanted to start by saying that I appreciate that every chapter in your book has what you're calling travel advisories. Uh, I just, that idea is wonderful that we have to be careful of certain things in a spiritual journey um, because there can be, we can get tricked, can't we? Yes, definitely. That was something that became really obvious to me in my own growth and my own process of the number of times that I thought I had learned something that I really hadn't learned. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I was pleased with myself because I thought I had reached, especially say forgiveness, I thought I had reached this really high plane of being able to forgive until I one day it was revealed to me that I wasn't where I thought I was. And I had a lot more learning to do and that just reminders that we, we can definitely fool ourselves into thinking we've mastered something when we really are still still at the beginning stages of it. Well, I'm laughing a little over here because that very idea of being pleased with oneself, 
you know, uh, as if we've, as if we've um, elevated above other people. <laughs> it's a sure sign of trouble, huh? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, Eddie. definitely. That's a, a, a warning sign. Take, better take a look at that. <laughs> mm. <laughs> but these principles, let's talk about them a, a bit. I'm just going to name them and then we can kind of dive into, because there's a directionality, but then you do reverse them and, and, and twist them around uh you know towards the end of the book and so i was thinking yeah they're actually all concentric in the end yes i can see why they're in the order they are to start out with because the first one's suffering that's usually what gets people's attention <laughs> terrible suffering yes love that's what starts to help us get through it <laughs> forgiveness if there's love there's gonna to have to be that eventually right yes. <laughs> i hope i'm not speaking for you out of turn no no um, you got the it. present the present moment once you have those three it's more likely you can just be in the moment maybe mm -hmm. purpose look at the two of us like that our own journeys led to what we do which fulfills uh, what our purpose is as people and I want to talk about that one a little more, that it's not what you do, it's how you do it. I liked that a lot. And then surrender to, the, to what's true, I guess. And impermanence, it's all going to end. Uh, how do we not get hopeless within that? I know you have a lot more to say about that, but that's sort of my little sum up. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> you got it. You got the gist of of all of those those seven lessons I call them but it always as you said it always starts with suffering usually because something does have to fall apart or start not working well in our lives I think before we're motivated to really do this inward journey and look at ourselves and try to to understand ourselves better and figure out what what do I need to change or how do I need to grow so I think suffering for us is is the beginning of that growth. But mm -hmm. unfortunately, we live in a society that uh, will do anything to avoid suffering. Those are the messages I think we receive all the time in advertising and marketing that you shouldn't ever have to suffer. You shouldn't have to feel pain. You should be able to have everything you want. And so we were always having to battle those external messages that tell us um, not to suffer when really being willing, as we said before, being willing to go into the difficulty and the suffering and the grief is, is the path toward growth. I, I was remembering um, not too long after my wife was diagnosed, which for me was that period was, I, I considered uh, to myself that I suffered more at that time than when she died in a way uh, because I didn't have the tools mm -hmm. to, to handle it. But I was remembering one time where we went out of town to have a nice weekend and I just basically was shaking the whole weekend, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and fortunately, because of the next principle, love, uh, you know, she didn't feel the need to change anything about me or it was just what was happening. Uh, Eventually, I passed passed through that time just by allowing it to be true that I was terribly anxious that she was sick. Um, that I uh, that turned out to be a big lesson that that I hadn't seen in quite the same context 
uh, before I read, read your book. And that's something I saw over and over in my work with hospice patients too, is that the families that seem to navigate that final journey um, through the end of life with a loved one had really come to a place of saying, we just have to love each other. We have to work more on our love and be here for each other and care about one another. And that it was so powerful to witness that, that they, they went through these really tough days, but together and with love. And that made a big impression on me as I, as I got to observe that in my patients. Absolutely. I, I remember um, we used to spend a lot of time with Stephen and Andrea Levine. And at one point, Stephen said, you two have the very best of the worst. And <laughs> it stuck with me all these years. You can have the best of the worst. And I think the, the quality is a kind of unselfish love because you talk about, and I, I hope you can uh, fill this out a little for people, uh, the difference between a love that gets you something, uh, <laughs> that gets you the prize and a love that is what, more galaxy? Yes, because I think you know, we all go through these stages of development as we come up from infancy to adulthood. And so we go through these very selfish stages in our childhood. Some people may get stuck there too at earlier stages and not grow very much, but there's a time in all of our lives when the idea behind love is that loving someone gets us something, you know, there's an exchange that takes takes place, or we view love primarily in those terms of, of what will it, what, what will it get me? What will you give back to me? And how much do you love me? And mm. on this, and how story, even is it? Yes, yes. <laughs> and, and so a lot of us don't ever even move beyond that stage, I think, but on this spiritual journey, this, I guess you could call it this galaxy view of love, more soul-based view of love, is that love is, it's really this divine energy that's all around us that is, we are given it with the opportunity to give it away to other people, expecting nothing in return. And when we can be in that, that place where we're able to just give love for the sake of loving alone, not because we want something back. That's when we actually enter into this almost circular loop, I think, where we get filled with more and more love and the more we give away to other people. And we no longer have to measure it and weigh it out like, hmm, did you give me enough back? Did I get enough? <laughs> it's just we, we can feel it flowing through us and feel like there will always be more love for me to give if I can just remember to keep giving it away freely and not really have expectations for what, what I will receive in return. You know, I, I agree with you. And uh, there, there's just a caution in there for me about people who always pick. I'll just admit, I think I was one of these people early in my life always pick to freely give their love to people who don't, who take. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a kind of a relationship um, travel advisory in my mind that sometimes um, people can do a fake version of that where it's really about um, not thinking they're worth much or not 
the receiving part doesn't get opened up. Yes. Have you noticed that as well? Yes. And that's something, um, some of the, the stories in this book come from work I did in a shelter for uh, women who'd been um, victims of domestic violence. And so many of those women, they had so little self-esteem, they didn't have good boundaries and didn't know how to choose a partner or choose people in their lives that they could have a healthy relationship with. They didn't even know what that, what that was. Right. So you're exactly right. That's, that's one of the caveats is that we have to be sure that we, that we love ourselves enough first to be good um, good carriers for love, I guess I could say good vessels <laughs> to transport love, but, but we have to have love for ourselves. And that provides us with the boundaries. And I think the discernment too, to know mm -hmm. when, when is this a good person to be in my life? Or is this someone toxic to me that uh, out of self-love, I need to stay away from? Make the, I, I, I'm, I'm sure you've heard this quote, keep people at the exact distance from you at which you can love them. Like, <laughs> so, oh, I like that. So, some people in this current climate, I have to keep really far away from me and my mind, you know, and then I can love them in a more galaxy kind of way. But I couldn't sit in a room with them. Yes. If that makes sense. Oh, it's so true. And this year, this year in particular, that's so very true. So very true. So we're we're kind of moving from uh, love to forgiveness in the sense that I'm thinking of the woman who um, had been married for, th what, 35 years, mm -hmm. and her husband um, attacked her in some way physically. She was at the shelter and she said she was going to forgive him. And everyone was very upset by that. <laughs> forgive him and go back. And your discernment said that, in fact, she was ready for that. That in that relationship over such a long time, she knew that that was the way to go. And that seemed very, um, that really stood out for me that it's, that other women in that circumstance, you would never have thought that was a good idea. Yeah. And I did admit, you know, I didn't know, I didn't know for sure. I can't say I knew for sure, but from the way she talked and what I understood from her um, and the way she described the love that she and her husband had for one another, um, it, it made sense to me. I understood that she may, she is willing to go forward and forgive him. And I didn't, I can't say that I knew for sure that was going to have the right outcome for her, but I understood that she wanted to act out of forgiveness because it wasn't a codependent forgiveness. Let me say that it came from a much higher self-esteem in a way in her and she's the only person the only woman I saw in that shelter who I would say was at that place so um yeah so it was a controversial kind of story to think about because uh, you know a lot of us ask that question are there people who should never be forgiven and sometimes we can we forgive but we should forgive from a distance as you were saying and not <laughs> let, the, let them into your heart but not your house yeah it's exactly. the way i've heard that described 
But in her case, well, on the other hand, she wasn't, she was going to go back to him with no matter what we said to her. And so, uh, so I felt that she had the right to want to exercise forgiveness and practice it in her way and to see what happened when she went back to him. And as I said, she never came back to the shelter. So that that's the only feedback we had is that is um, uh, that hopefully all was all was well for her. When when I've had to work on forgiveness of you know big things most people in a life i'm 67 you know of course i've had big things uh it it's taken a long time and it was very internal uh for for me uh i wasn't going to live with those people right yes <laughs> uh, so that's a um i send good wishes to her wherever she is right and and i guess i hope that it also came along with boundaries. Um, I, I've had clients who said at some point in their relationship, there was something like that. And they said, uh, that can never happen. That's unacceptable in this relationship. And uh, you only get one try on that, you know, yes. next time I'm gone kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that, that boundary with it too. So, it might be a bit of a leap from forgiveness to the next principle, but maybe not either the present moment, because in a way she was saying that that one moment we had three days ago or whenever it was, is not now in this present moment. I, I choose him. Yes. And, and I felt too that, um, once we practice forgiveness, especially for things that happened in our past that we've been holding on to for a long time, we free up more energy for the present moment. Oh, I love that. Let's come back and talk about that after our, after our second break, uh, freeing up more energy for the present moment. And listeners, you can find links to my website and social media at the Good Grief page at Voice America. Uh, my website being www.weatheringgrief.com. You can go there directly too. And to find Dr. Karen Wyatt, go to www.eoluniversity.com. Back soon. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Healthcare has been a major part of news stories today with one thing that has been consistent inconsistency. Both healthcare providers and patients have to work around and get used to a constantly changing set of rules and issues. Nurses have historically been left out of this decision making. Listen to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. Health professionals, we invite you to share your ideas and experiences while listening to experts in various areas of nursing. Listen Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health and Wellness. Over 20 million people in America struggle with substance use. This impacts both the people who are using and loved ones who are trying to help. Still, there is hope. 
Tune in to the Beyond Addiction Show with host Josh King. You'll hear from experts and get the real information you need to understand and assist in change. Change can be hard. It doesn't have to be confusing. Tune in every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. I'm your host, Cheryl Jones, and I've been talking with Karen Wyatt about uh, her new book and the principles for spiritual growth that she talks about in it. Uh, We ended the last segment with forgiveness, uh, which, of course, we could spend an entire hour talking about, uh, but people can go read the book. (laughs) And we had kind of naturally moved forward to uh when you have when you can can allow for suffering uh when you learn to love unselfishly um and and when you have some practice with forgiveness it kind of leads to being able to be more present yes and i think that more than anything if if we haven't been able to forgive things that happened in the past if we've stored up a lot of grievances and bitterness within us that can really tie up a certain amount of our energy because we're constantly keeping those old memories alive and even reviewing them from time to time Mm -hmm. so it takes up our bandwidth and our energy to keep alive those old resentments and forgiveness is it's such a relief and it really unweights us when we release all of that all those things that we've been holding on to and are able to let go of them, we, we feel lighter and we have more energy and it's, it brings us right here right now to this present moment and helps us just focus on what's happening around us now. I, I, I so agree with that. And uh, I'm also aware that sometimes in my experience, uh, you know, just as we're talking about how suffering invites us to grow, you know, uh, we may as well make use of it. <laughs> uh, that uh, having a memory about the past is a certain kind of suffering. I, I find myself often encouraging people not to see that really as something about the past, but as, but as something that hasn't been healed inside of themselves. Uh, that, that it means something because the thing is over, right? Yes. <laughs> it, it happened long ago. It's done. But there's still something unfinished inside the person that that you can go forward with once you're not caught up in it's about that other person who did this bad thing. Hmm. Uh, does that make sense to you? Yeah, it does. And that because in some ways, it's not that uh, our wounds just disappear, you know, we still bear 
the evidence of, of the ways in which we've been wounded, they just become part of us. And as you said, travel with us now, but in a much less, I guess, a less damaging and exhausting way in, mm -hmm. in, in a sense, because there's not a lot of negative emotion coming from those. It just becomes part of us, I, I guess. I'm thinking about in terms of this present moment, um, part of your uh, seven lessons, um, how often people, referring back to the people I've worked with, with cancer, who are, uh, who when I first started doing, doing it, most of the people I was working with were going to die of it. It's not quite the same now, <laughs> but um, the people who believed they would die uh, and had somehow come to terms with that, everything got really vivid. Uh, uh, you know, if they saw a particularly beautiful flower or something. And that's a part of this present mo moment thing as well, yes? Yes, definitely. When you, when you are in the present moment and you can start to notice all the little things around you, and I, I think that's been a real powerful thing about this past year as well, is that we're, we don't have a lot of other things going on when we're home and we're less busy. And so you can really sit down and enjoy the cup of coffee you're drinking and actually taste it and feel the warmth of it and savor it. And that's being in the present moment when you have the time and the focus to, to notice what you're doing. And, and one story I tell is before I learned this lesson, being at a restaurant with my husband, a really nice restaurant, and actually saying, we should come here sometime for dinner. And we were there having dinner, <laughs> but my mind was somewhere else because all I had thought about during the entire dinner was what I had to do the next day, trying to, you know, rethink something that had happened earlier that day that I wish I could have done this differently. I should have said that. And I didn't even notice the food I ate or taste it. And that's when I realized, oh my goodness, I'm living in the past and the future. And I'm didn't even notice what I was doing in the moment. So that's how I recognized sometimes we're elsewhere, our minds are elsewhere. And yet life is really to be enjoyed when we can stay right here in this moment and just enjoy all the little things that are around us. And also moving on to the next lesson here, uh, once you have that capacity to not be pushing anything or trying to make anything happen or dwell on the past, all that, uh, I've noticed so often in this show interviewing hundreds of people who have something has come out of their uh, biggest challenges, we could say, that this, this idea of purpose that you, um, that is the next principle, it, it seems to come two people uh instead of they're they're trying 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 to make it happen uh maybe this is connected to the idea of circular thinking but if you're if you're really present um what it is that you might do seems to sort of evolve have you noticed that as well yes yes and that uh it, it's much more about being who you are and being your best self than worrying so much about what you do. And, and I went through this, and I, 
a long time ago when I knew that I wanted to be a doctor and I thought this is my purpose in life to be a doctor, but I had so much anxiety and fear that what if I, what if something happens to me and I can't ever go to medical school and don't become a doctor? Or what if I don't get in? What if my grades aren't good enough? I went through this over and over in my head. And then I thought, then I won't be able to fulfill my purpose. Then my life will be a waste until I finally realized, wait, that's not it. It's not just what I do for my career. It's what can I learn on my way there? And if I don't ever make it there, I'll learn things and I'll become a better person and I'll grow and that'll be my purpose, whether or not I become a doctor. And then that, it was such a a relief to be able to view it that way and to not have so many demands of, you know, I have to fulfill this expectation. You you made, when I was reading that part of the book, uh, I so vividly was thinking about um, my wife who died of who, um, she worked for Greyhound. She, she was in school. Then she got diagnosed and she never worked again. She lived for 10 years or so, but she never worked again in a four-pay job. And yet I would say that of everyone I've ever known, she had more impact in the world than anyone, almost anyone I've ever encountered um, because of the person she was. And because of how she navigated that experience, uh, many, many times people will say that she changed my whole idea about what it is to to live. Uh, And so I was thinking about that as an example. You know, if you read her bio about what she did, you'd completely miss it. it. It would not be present what she was actually doing. Uh, so that connected with this, uh, this experience you had of your father having a big impact that wasn't in the kind of um, work, work realm, and you got a chance to know about that. Yeah. Oh, that's so beautiful. Thanks for sharing that, that story, because that's exactly the point of it, is that, and yet, I mean, our society tells us over and over again, it's all about your resume. What have you accomplished? What have you done? What can you show, hold up to show people that you have a purpose and you've done something good in life? And yet, that's, that's really not what it's about. And in fact, we might enjoy the work we're doing even more if we didn't have that kind of expectation for it. And at least I'm at that place now where now I just work because I enjoy the work and I I don't even know I mean I don't even have like nothing's going to get added to my resume here I'm just doing what I love but that feels just right that really uh, I um at some point the FCC changed their um their rules about how what how you counted uh uh listeners I can't explain it, but suddenly my numbers went down. And at first I was like, oh, should I stop doing this? And it it wasn't still low numbers or anything. <laughs> and then I was like, it hasn't changed anything for you. <laughs> you know, yeah. you still love doing this. It's still very satisfying. You know, it's affecting a few people. Uh, we uh, these conversations are wonderful. <laughs> so that's my funny example of of getting caught up for a minute. Yeah, that's great. 
So then, so then the next one kind of strikes me funny at the moment, surrender, because that was a moment of surrendering to something, right? My, my garden view got activated. <laughs> you could you talk a minute about, uh, we have about four minutes left all together. Okay. And we have surrender and impermanence left. <laughs> okay. Here's the thing. We're in this time. If there's, and of course, everyone is not sitting at home. I really want to, you know, acknowledge that. But those of us that are, what a great time to grow, right? (laughs) We have this space. So I I hope people will go, you know, buy your book and, and give it a try because I think it would be so helpful. But can you say just a, a little bit about surrender and impermanence? Yeah, surrender was was one of the most powerful lessons from my hospice patients who finally came to the point of realizing this is happening. I can't change it. The idea of resisting it and fighting it is getting me nowhere. So I'm going to let I'm going to let it be and I'm going to live my life just as it is right now, whatever however much life I have in this moment. And I liken it to a surfer kind of riding the waves. You you can't stand on your surfboard and ride the waves if you're trying to control the waves or trying to fight the waves and make them go a different direction. You can only balance on your board and go with whatever the wave gives you, you have to go with. And I think I think of that image all the time when I'm, you know, if I find myself resisting or trying to control things too much to remember just just ride the waves and let the waves take you where they're going to take you and in this time one thing i've noticed is um you know we're adaptive humans are adaptive but we adapt to a consistent you know something changes and we adapt to that but in this period of time the way that i've felt is that there's no adaptation because it's changing constantly Um, You know, so that surfboard image works for me as well. And also that for me, at least, has been a reminder about impermanence. Yes, definitely. Which if, you know, it's a, it's a important concept in Buddhism, the idea of impermanence that nothing lasts and everything changes. And the more I remind myself of that, the more I find comfort in the sense of, of enjoy what you have right now because nothing lasts everything changes so you have no idea what will come next or what will happen make the most of what's here right now i'm sure you've encountered the little app called we croak yes Uh, (laughs) i love that you know five times a day thinking about death will lead to a happy life uh to to uh to realize each day might be the last day can really once you get past the fear of that um make things quite vivid yes yes definitely back gets you back in the present moment of just enjoy everything that's right here right now and um be be joyful <laughs> be and be filled with love and i'm right in that right now Karen, because I've enjoyed this conversation so much. Thanks for being with me again. Thank you, Cheryl. And to find Karen Wyatt, Dr. Karen Wyatt, you can go to eoluniversity.com. Next week, I'll have Marianne Perry. 
Marianne is the sexton at Oricon's first and only dedicated natural burial ground, the Forest Conservation Burial Ground. This has been Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. I look forward to being with you again next week for another meaningful conversation. Thank you so much for joining us for Good Grief. Please come back next Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Cheryl Jones, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a meaningful week. Abre mi corazón.